Winternet. This is ESN Sight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. I'm Anthony J. Brown. And this is a little chat over coffee. Yes, welcome once more sitting down with one of the movers and the shakers of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And there are now many people out there going, Anthony J. Brown, who's he singing for? <laughs> First of all, why are you at Eurovision this year? Uh, well, I've co-written the lyrics for the German entry, uh, Lord of the Lost, performing Blood and Glitter. So you're not, we have reached point here, you're not going to be on stage with them. You don't have the red leather and everything lined up. No, no, no. The the, the outfits did nothing for my hips, so I, I, I thought I'd best stand at, uh, at the side cheering them on. Indeed, yeah. I mean, there's lots of people who work on a song. I think one of the reasons it's great to have you on the show is, yep, we have the band who are going to be at the front, and they do a lot of the mm. work, but there's also managers and songwriters and mm. lyricists and everything. And I just wanted to get a a better idea of the sort of processes they go through. But I do have a bigger burning question as well. Yes, okay. Why the J? Well, I've, I've used it uh, since my adolescence, uh, Ewan. Uh, something of a necessity because my father is also an Anthony, although everyone knows him as Tony. And this this will date me somewhat, but back when people used to write letters to one another... Uh, letters would come to my house uh, addressed to Anthony Brown from, frankly, potential suitors and or girlfriends, and my father would blithely open them, the mischievous imp that he is, pretending that he thought they were for him. So I thought if I include the J, then that would rid me of any potential confusion. But never mind. But I've kept it ever since. And I think it, it's nice anyway, through the songwriting and the comedy I do. It just makes... Because Anthony Brown is a fairly prosaic moniker. So I think the J adds a, a, a semblance of uh, showbiz glamour. So we are here in part uh, to talk about the German entry this year. Well, I've been uh, working uh, or collaborating with them on songs since 2015. Lyrically, uh, quite often, it's how it works is that um, Chris Harms, uh, aka the, the Lord himself, uh, has a title and a chorus idea theme for the, the song itself. Um, I might then get sent a version of the song with with some singing in the verses that, not always, sometimes the, the song comes... Um, more fully formed than that, and it's it's fitting in little bits. But it's always extremely fulfilling because he, he, he's fantastic, really, with coming up with uh, with interesting themes for songs, and that come with quite often very catchy, thought provoking uh, uh, titles. And I guess what you're saying there with Lord of the Lost is, even though you're one of the lyricists, it's working in collaboration. The the ideas and the themes, the connections have already been made by the band, and you're helping polish that. More often than not, that that's that's how it works. It's a wonderful challenge. It, it is, and I enjoy it because quite often, accordingly, whether it's um, songs for Lord of the Lost or for 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 other acts. It, it sometimes means you 
your using of parts of your brain and or your creativity that uh, uh, hitherto has gone uh, unexplored. So it's a theme or an idea that that I might never have potentially come up with myself. And it's it's fantastic that it's... it's, uh, I really appreciate that. It's it's interesting. And I think it's made me become a better writer as a result. What well, I mean, do you get noticed then? Is there a lot of collaborative back and forwards? When I do write, I do tend to offer quite a few uh, different versions of, of particular lines. So there might be four four versions of of a few lines. So so the whoever's singing has got the the choice of what sings best and what suits in terms of whatever the, the, the meaning that they want to, to put across. If I've thought about it, then they might as well have the chance to either reject it thinking it's arrant nonsense or that, oh, yeah, that would actually sing nicely and flow. It feels like an adventure. And, and, and obviously it's a, you're always, it's, it's one more challenge to yourself to be able to come up with something that uh, happy and confident about uh, because I would never, I've never sent anything that I haven't um, uh, given my utmost to, and sometimes that's within a limited time frame. If that that just depends, but yeah, I always send off something that I'm confident will be well well received. Take me back a bit then. When when did this all start? When when did you get the songwriting bug. Well, I've been writing stuff probably since so preteen, but it took until about two thousand twelve for me to start working with other people. There seemed like there was um, potential possibilities for advancement, and I, I did some. We had this band I was in called the Ankle Stars. We um, we, we had an element of record company interest and we we did a sort of demo thing that was produced by a chap called Boz Bora who was uh, Morris's guitarist and songwriter but the and it, we were really pleased with it but it, yeah it didn't quite make it so it just reached the point where I'd for a period just writing to please myself. Uh, comedy came along as so I started doing comedy that became easier in the sense that it's all about sort of self-reliance. So there's only one person to decide what's in the set, one person to decide a particular gig, if you can do it and if you want to do it, rather than being offered a, a date for a band, a potential gig day, and then you've got to go to the big mall of seeing if everyone's free and if everyone's up for it and what they want to play, etc. So comedy became the mainstay, really, whilst I was still doing some lyrics. And I just remember a... Uh, a distinct point where I was just in Sheffield cycling, cycling to the uh, train station, and uh, uh, I had an idea for a lyric, and I thought, oh, oh, that just the, just the first few lines. Uh, I remember actually, it was um, uh, what's it? I I turn I turn the taps on, I I put the plug in, then leave your house, which I thought oh, that's <laughs> that's quite. A evocative image where will that lead to is it some sort of vendetta song or whatever but I just remember cycling along and then I actually I hit the brakes not in any way that was going to cause any peril there was, no, there was nobody else on the road and it just occurred to me that oh 
well, that's all well and good, but probably no one's ever going to really hear that, are they? And I just had this uh, epiphany, an underwhelming epiphany of, oh, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and that was really, uh, I think, probably about a year before I started doing stuff for Berlin Group. So, I mean, I've never used that lyric ever since. So, yeah, so I was right in that, in that particular instance. Yeah, it's been fantastic from that point for it to 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 gain some momentum and to be working with Lord the Lost being the the, the sort of centre of the Venn diagram. So, what about Eurovision? When when did you become aware? When did the contest arrive in your mind? Well, I've been absolutely infatuated with music since I was a mere stripling. So a, a fascination with Eurovision was almost inevitable. But I'm, I'm a little too youthful, uh, Ewan, to have witnessed the esteemed likes of uh, Pearl Carr and Teddy Johnson and the uh, celestial larynx of Matt Munro. So my first ESC memory was Bucks Fizz uh, triumphing in uh, Dublin uh, in the midst of... Uh, Nottingham Forest and Liverpool conquering Europe at football. Back then, I misguidedly assumed that as an island, we were victorious in whatever we deigned to compete in all over the continent. And naturally, uh, it didn't take long for that um, particular jingoistic delusion to dissipate. But uh, regardless, I've always subsequently... uh, taken a keen interest in the UK song for Europe, be it Bardo, Ricky, uh, Francis Raphael or King Humperdinck. That's a big stretch of the years. Also note that, like many, you've missed out Scott Fitzgerald in the middle. So there's, there's Scott Oh, absolutely, Scott. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yet again, people forget Scotland at Eurovision. Yes, yes, uh, apologies. Everybody remembers different Eurovision. You said there, of course, that Box Fizz was your first. There's a wide range. I mean, what, we got over 1,700 of them now. So who stands out for you? I mean, have you met anybody? No Dream Impossible uh, from, I believe, 2001. Uh, Sheffield's finest, uh, Lindsay Dracas. Yeah, because I'd been... I didn't know her at that point, but I'd, I'd been uh, living in Sheffield for about a decade then, and it was it was quite the event, of course, quite the frisson of anticipation uh, that a uh, local luminary was competing in the, the, the Eurovision uh, competition. And it's a great song. A, a performance on the night was absolutely immaculate. I, I distinctly remember uh, Terry Wogan, uh, bless him, uh, being fulsome in his praise for her absolutely nailing this killer note uh, right at the end of the song. So I think it, yeah, I think it gave probably all of South Yorkshire a a sense of civic pride. And it it was such, frankly, such an achievement because she she performed that at sixteen years old. Uh, it's, I find that mind-boggling. Sixteen years old, genuinely, you and. Uh, that age, all, all you'd have ever got from me was a surly grunt from under my quiff and absolute minimal eye contact. So for her to be that fully formed uh, performer at such a young age is testament to her her talent. 
quite frankly. But we're, I am actually friends with her now. I mean, this was many years on. We met uh, sort of, uh, organically through um, a, a mutual friend, uh, Julian Jones, who uh, is a very, uh, very talented uh, musical polymath and songwriter in in his own right. And they actually recorded an album together a couple of years ago, um, called Waiting For You that I would steadfastly recommend um, a- any of your listenership or indeed yourself to seek out because it's a, it's a sublime uh, piece of work that sh- showcases her talents. And frankly, she's e- even more the uh, vocal powerhouse now than she ever was then. And if I can add a, a lovely tie-in, uh, in terms of uh, my connection with the competition, uh, she actually met uh, Lord of the Lost uh, a couple of weeks ago at a Eurovision celebration event in uh, Munich. And apparently they got on swimmingly, which I fully expect because they're all uh, fabulous humans. And they both independently um, sent me pictures of themselves all together. So that was lovely. And they're both going to be around uh, in Liverpool as well. If I remember correctly, Lindsay is going to be at a number of the oh, stages uh, there yes. as well. And I think Lord of the Lost are turning up to do something as well near the Albert Docks. Yes. <laughs> so what about yourself then? You, you're going through there, you start in your songwriting career. Do you consider Eurovision then? Do you think, oh, maybe I should punt something into that? I hadn't anticipated it ever really being a possibility. Uh, but then... Uh, a few years ago, I had something of a, a, a nearish miss. I was contacted about uh, composing lyrics for a couple of songs that were being considered for a particular country's entry. Uh, pardon, pardon my uh, vagueness, Ewan. Uh, they needed them both for 9am uh, the next morning, so I was up against um, the clock uh, somewhat. And... To compound that drama further, I uh, received the request whilst residing in a holiday express in Leeds with my uh, dear wife Jane as we were flying to Vilnius um, very early the next day. So we <laughs> we had the alarm set for 2.30am. Uh, uh, so I had to forego any realistic notion of sleeping and get creative um, whilst Jane uh, managed to steal some shit eye. And I did manage to um, slay the lyrical dragon and complete them both in time, uh, the second one being finished whilst we were stood waiting to board the flight. But I mean, ultimately, they didn't get selected and were instead recorded by... Um, other acts a few years later exactly who should probably best remain a secret so I could have slept a couple of hours after all but it was quite invigorating uh, exploring the um, uh, myriad delights of Lithuania whilst postulating a little about a potential Eurovision crusade so that to tie when, when the opportunity with Lords of the Lost presented itself it felt a little just a little bit um, like fate was perhaps finally beckoning 
in this regard, only this time with it actually being sufficient time to uh, finish the dream. And I will be in the arena when it happens. There'll be an, an element of uh, uh, goosebumps and, and hair on the back of the neck. So if we take a look at Blood and Glitter, now the Eurovision song. Mm, yes. How did that come about with yourself? Well, previously, uh, in terms of the the cause I, the first album that I worked on with Lord of the Lost uh, was say was Empyrean, and and that they've all had um, themes to to the entire album and embracing a a, a future world, and then uh, Thornstar, which was. Uh, uh, about the uh, Pangeans, which is this um, civilization from several millennia ago, which they, Chris in particular, did incredible amount of research into. The album after that was uh, all about the Gospel of Judas. The album was called Judas. So they, they've all had themes, right? But this, the, the album that this came from, well, also called um, uh, Blood and Glitter, uh, a different approach was taken, and it was this point where the possibility of a, a Eurovision song was was mooted. Therefore, some of the songs on that album were written in, in, with a different approach in terms of thinking about how a song might work in the Eurovision context in terms of the, actually in terms of the uh, presentation and performance of the song and the dynamic and the lyrical motifs which might fit as well because Thinking off the top of my head, I don't think there was anything there in their present um, lyrical state that would have necessarily been Eurovision uh, friendly, as it were. Eurovision became, for want of a better term, its own theme. So one of the things that you said there that you were considering is, you know, Lord of the Lost are thinking, well, maybe we've got some songs here that are going to be a Eurovision track. Um, and we'll, we'll leave the other two on the album as an exercise for the listeners to try and find out themselves. Hey, a little challenge for the weekend. But, you know, as a, as a group, you know, you're, you're dealing with the lyrics, but the whole band itself has to try and be true to themselves, but also fit into a huge television production. How does Lord of the Lost address Eurovision as a whole? Speaking, I mean, speculating, should I say, on their behalf. I mean, they are... I, I don't think it's a, a, in any way a biased assessment to say that they are a, a very incendiary live proposition. I mean, I've seen them about a dozen times. Their reputation uh, as a fantastic uh, onstage uh, proposition, it, it precedes them. They're, they are really fantastic. An infectious uh, theatrical zeal that's... that's in a, in a venue, you you can't help but be uh, uh, swept along. The conviction that they convey live, really, from my perspective, it really does have this this absolute authenticity, sort of running through it like a like a stick of Margate rock. There's going to be a huge, huge number of people in the audience who have never seen this band before, and yes. this this three minutes. Mm. Is their introduction to them? Yes, two minutes fifty nine. It's uh, yeah. Oh, it's there's going to be there's, there's yeah. half a second yeah. there, and for the no, wave and everything at the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> what are you expecting the audience to feel when they see this band for the first time? Well, entertained. 
this is slightly highfalutin, but the 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 music they play is a, the sort of product of their lives. They don't phone it in. Uh, but I think whatever your tastes are, I think you can spot, even if it's not something that's that's within the the paradigms of what you would consider your your particular uh, musical predilections, that you can spot something when it's when it's true. I mean, I've been very interested, actually, which I think is a, a, a sidebar to this. I've been sent some, because there, there seems to be a, a, a veritable phalanx of them, of uh, people with the channels who respond, so watch watch the song for the first time. I mean, they must do it for, for all of the uh, participants within uh, Eurovision. And it's been... A lot of them that I've been saying, it's been really sweet to see that it's someone who starts off saying, oh, this might not, yeah, this isn't necessarily my type of music, but then quite often you then see them become sort of beguiled and sort of carried along by the sort of the thrust and the and and the, the gusto of the performance. How does it feel then, watching those reaction videos? and hearing your words from the band and then someone immediately responding to them. Yeah, it, obviously it's tremendously fulfilling, as it always is um, with any any collaborations I've done with any bands, but the, I suppose particularly uh, with Lord of the Lost, because the, they are a band as well. I mean, they, 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 they say this themselves, and I, I think it's... Uh, a, a pertinent observation that they say they they uh, they might not be the best band in the world, but they have the best fans, and they really do uh, uh, provoke uh, a real um, fervor uh, within uh, within their their fan base. Their their, their supporters are such sort of wonderful, uh, uh, committed people, and they're a band as well who. Who have the, an incredible amount really of people who who have their logos or their lyrics, Lord the Lost lyrics, um, as as tattoos? Because uh, there's a, a an Instagram um, hashtag. There we go. <laughs> I'm sounding like someone who still struggles with teletext, trying to remember the word hashtag. Um, uh, uh, Lottle Inc., which, yeah, I've... I've and it, within that as well, because I say that hundreds and hundreds of people seem to have the tattoos, but uh, yeah, it was quite a delight to discover that um, uh, at current counts, um, 10 people have things that I've written tattoos on them, which is just not something that I would have, uh, could ever dare have that supposition and that could ever happen. It seems so bizarre, but as I say, it's because of who they are and how they are with their fans, because they are really, having been sort of uh, backstage at a few gigs and just see how friendly and welcoming they are with their their acolytes uh, it's 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 really nice
it really does sound like oh, a huge extended family Lord of Lost at the center. Blood and Glitter is going to be many people's invitation into that family. You're playing a part of that, but it's not just you. Yes, indeed. It's a co-vite with Chris Harms, uh, P. Stoffers, who is the band's guitarist, and Rupert Keplinger, who also composed the music with Chris. And whatever the outcome on the night is, Ewan, um, it is a genuinely a, a pure privilege to have participated in this uh, illustrious tradition. It is a wonderful tradition. We get more people joining the family every year. You've been knocking at the door a while. You, you, you're friend of a friend, so you're okay in that one. Yes, yes. You're fully part of the family. We will, we will get the card in the post to you at Christmas, Anthony. Okay, okay. I'll be the rebellious grandson, if that's and okay. And remember to do Anthony J. Brown when I send the postcard. Got it. <laughs> Anthony, thanks again. Oh, bless you, Ewan. Man after my own heart. You've been listening to another ESC Insight chat over coffee with myself, Ewan Spence, chatting to Anthony J. Brown. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and support us, patreon.com slash ESC Insight.